Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 Redeemed, rehabilitated and real entertaining this is the carl jackson podcast guest all right welcome to the carl jackson show podcast on this tuesday i appreciate you tuning in today this is your daily dose of objective truth in a world of lies i want to remind you real quickly to go to mypillow.com Take advantage of this special offer that Mike Lindell is offering to my listeners, these Perkel bed sheets that are on sale, that are on special. Normally a queen size set, sell for $89.98, but my listeners can get them for $39.98. Just use the promo code CARL. Click on the radio listener square at mypillow.com or give them a call at 800-858-0263. That's 800-858-0263. Remember to follow me on all social media, The Carl Jackson Show. I really love to build up True Social and Gitter. And also uh, rate, review, like, subscribe to my podcast, thecarljacksonshow.com, salempodcastnetwork.com, or wherever you find podcasts. What I wanted to do today is we get dive right into this. I have Zach Smith. He's a legal expert at the Heritage Foundation on, and I just wanted to ask all of the questions that I'm curious about and some of you have messaged me about because I just want to, I mean, I want to get as much information to you as possible when it comes to this Mar-a-Lago uh, raid uh, at, at you know Trump's estate or what have you, this FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago. So everything you want to know as far as the legalese of it, uh, this is why we have Zach Smith on with us today to discuss it from the Heritage Foundation. Zach, thank you so much for joining us once again to just clarify all of this straight up craziness that uh, that's happening right before our eyes. <laughs> Well, of course. Thank you so much for having me on, Carl. It's always a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate it. All right. So first off, I was reading through a column uh, that you wrote along with John Malcolm at at Heritage. What release affidavit reveals about the FBI's Mar-a-Lago raid? So I'd like to to start there. First off, this notion that there's no political motivation uh, seems just kind of phony to me. And I want to get your take on that right off the bat, Zach. Well, I'll tell you, Carl, you know, this affidavit that was released really didn't add a lot of information to what we already knew or suspected we knew that was out there in the public domain. And I think it's important to understand what this affidavit is. You know, whenever police officers, FBI agents, federal law enforcement, whoever wants to search your property or see something for you, they have to get a search warrant. As part of that search warrant, an FBI agent or whoever's you know seeking to search your property has to fill out an affidavit. That's a sworn statement basically stating why they think there's probable cause that evidence of a crime will be found at the location they're going to search. And they kind of lay out the case, what they're going to search, you know, all of those types of typical things. And so I think a lot of people were hoping uh, that we would find a lot more information out from this affidavit. 
But to be honest with you, uh, Carl, the affidavit was so heavily redacted, and I suspected that would be the case. Uh, it, again, it really didn't add a lot of new information to what was already out there. But to your question and concern about the political nature, the potential politicization of this raid, yeah, I think a lot of people have that concern, especially given the recent history of the Justice Department under Merrick Garland, some of the very political actions uh, that that DOJ has taken, and then also you know, the missteps that the FBI has made over the past three to five years, the Russia collusion investigation. You have an FBI lawyer who pled guilty in federal court to altering a, an email that was then used as the basis to obtain a warrant to spy on Carter Page, a Trump campaign official. And you have kind of this host of parade of horribles, if you will, coming out of the FBI. And so I think that's why it's so important that we hear directly from Merrick Garland, why it's so important we hear directly from Christopher Ray, the FBI director. Uh, but unfortunately, so far, both of them uh, have been absolutely silent on this issue. OK, so just the news uh, broke a story uh, real quick, Zach, if I could get your uh, get your comments on this. Uh, just yesterday where this uh, gentleman, I believe his name is Tim Tebold, uh, Tebold or Tebold was uh, walked out of or kind of perp walked somewhat, if you will, out of the FBI building on Friday because uh, allegedly he's a political hack. Whistleblowers came out against this guy and said there were so many or some cases where he obviously showed a political uh, bias towards former President uh, uh, Donald uh, Donald Trump. Can you give us any insight uh, in, into this? Because I, in, in Mayor Garland and Christopher Ray, uh, from my understanding, is they're acting as if they knew nothing about this. That's really hard for me to believe. Well, I don't know anything beyond the headlines uh, that you mentioned, Carl. I saw the headlines, haven't really uh, found out more information beyond that. But okay. you are right. Look, earlier uh, this month, several FBI whistleblowers essentially raised concerns and sent them to Chuck Grassley and other members of the Senate. And Senator Grassley put out a press release. He issued a letter asking for more information. But essentially, the allegation is uh, that several members of the FBI took steps to suppress the story about Hunter Biden and his laptop uh, heading into our most recent election. And so those are very troubling allegations, if they're true. You know, the, according to Senator Grassley and other members of the Senate, these whistleblowers seem to be very credible. In fact, uh, me and an, uh, another one of my colleagues, Hans von Spakovsky, wrote a recent article about those whistleblowers and the allegations they are raising. They're very troubling allegations. Uh, but again, I think this is another case where it's very important that Christopher Ray and Merrick Garland uh, come out and be as forthcoming as possible with the public. Uh, look, Carl, one of the things that underpins our system of justice and our system of government really is trust among elected officials, appointed officials, and the American people. And again, based on the recent past actions of the Justice Department, of the FBI, right now that trust seems to be lacking for many, many Americans, and it needs to be restored as quickly as possible. Okay, you you just mentioned this uh, column that you had written earlier uh, with Hans von Spakovsky. I have forgotten all about that, to be honest with you, uh, Zach. Will you outline some of the some of the troubling issues that you guys talked about as far as these whistleblowers are are, are concerned? Things that uh, should perhaps give regular everyday citizens pause. I mean, I know the left has been out. Uh, I, I've been arguing, like many conservatives have, if if this can happen. Uh, you know, uh, to to former President Donald Trump, imagine what the Justice Department can do to you. 
Uh, the left is trying to pretend as if that argument is invalid. And I'm like, yeah, right. You guys would be arguing the exact same thing if the shoe was on the other foot. But just if you will outline some of the things that you guys were concerned about. Well, look, you know, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, this is something that should be concerning to all Americans. One, the federal government is incredibly uh, powerful. And more importantly than that, you know, we have constitutional guarantees, uh, regardless of whether you're a former president or an average everyday citizen. Uh, and right now, you know, there are very real questions about the conduct of the FBI, about the conduct of the Justice Department. And so, again, these are some of the allegations that these whistleblowers were raising, essentially, that high-ranking officials at the FBI were acting in a politicized, partisan manner. And, you know, the other thing that makes these allegations uh, troublesome and potentially ring true for many individuals, even though we don't know all the facts right now, remember the text between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, uh, who were right. part of the uh, Russia collusion investigation. You know, it came out that they were exchanging text messages, you know, denigrating uh, Donald Trump and his team, basically saying they were going to take whatever action they could to make sure that he wasn't elected or, you know, uh, able to obtain powers, you know, things to that effect. And so when you see these new allegations coming out, especially in light of that history, you know, it's one thing if each one of these reported incidents, Carl, stood in isolation, but they don't. It seems to be a cascading series of right. events where you're hearing this more and more and more, and it's very troubling. And I will make one other quick point if I can, Carl. Sure. You know, I don't want to denigrate the hardworking men and women of the FBI, the line agents who are on the front lines every day. I'm a former assistant U.S. attorney. I work with FBI agents. Many of them are good public servants who want to do the right thing, who want to enforce the law, who want to protect everyone's constitutional rights. But I think at the upper echelon of the FBI, you know, the high-ranking officials, the political appointees, there has been a, a series of troubling conduct, you know, going all the way back to James Comey. Uh, and his conduct, uh, you know, prior to Donald Trump's uh, inauguration and then afterwards. And so I think these high ranking FBI officials, particularly the political appointees, there needs to be a close look at how they're conducting themselves and really a, a reset in the way they approach. I think many of these very sensitive uh, cases uh, that they're confronting today. Let me ask you about uh, there uh, about this issue of a magistrate. Can you tell us what a magistrate is or a magistrate judge? Because I, I, I've read some columns. I, I I don't know what to make of it. Not being an expert, but uh, but uh, there's I mean credible sources like the Federalist. Uh, there's there's a headline: Can magistrate judges constitutionally issue search warrants against Trump or anyone else for? Uh, for that matter. What's what's your take on that? Sure. So we'll get in uh, briefly the weeds a little bit and how a federal court works, a okay. federal trial court, a federal district court. So, you know, Article 3 of the Constitution requires that federal judges uh, be appointed uh, for good behavior. That's been interpreted to mean that they have life tenure basically, right? Uh, so that they can't be removed from office uh, except uh, by death or impeachment or when they retire, 
essentially. Uh, and the reason for that is you want them to be independent. You don't want them to be subject to political pressure. But Congress has also provided statutorily that these Article Three life tenured federal district court judges can hire other individuals to help them perform their duties. They can hire law clerks uh, who are typically recent law school graduates who help draft opinions, who help research legal issues, do all of those types of things. Then the district court, uh, all of the Article three judges on a federal district court can also hire someone called a magistrate judge. Uh, it's typically a lawyer with a lot of experience who can come in and can uh, help kind of do ministerial tasks, if you will. They often help handle discovery disputes and civil litigation. They handle requests for search warrants uh, from prosecutors when those come in. They handle some misdemeanor cases. But because these magistrates are not life tenured, they're not appointed by the president, confirmed by the Senate, as an Article Three district court judge is, uh, they're not considered to, to have the full judicial authority of the United States. And so many of the actions that they take then have to be signed off on by an Article Three district court judge. Uh, now, this idea that they can't issue search warrants, uh, that would be certainly be outside of the mainstream right now. You know, every day, uh, it, Hundreds, if not thousands of search warrants are approved by federal magistrates around the country. And so if they were found not to have that authority, um, you know, it would certainly upend the way our federal criminal justice system works. Now, with this particular magistrate, I understand there were some concerns whether he should recuse himself or not. Uh, that is a separate set of issues versus whether or not magistrates as a class have authority to issue search warrants. And right now, the the well-settled authority uh, is that they do. Okay. Okay. All right. That's uh, fair, uh, fair enough there. I appreciate that explanation. Something that I am concerned about as well, Zach, is this executive privilege that, uh, act, uh, well, executive privilege for one, uh, that, that's, that, that's one question. And I'm also concerned when it comes to Trump and the Mar-a-Lago raid, uh, with Trump being a former president, it is my understanding that he has the sole authority uh, to classify or declassify information. I'm concerned that perhaps what the FBI, given their corruption in the past, may have been looking for is evidence that could have been incriminating against the FBI as an institution themselves. So that's one issue that I want you to comment on. And then the second issue is the FBI has this tank team going through Trump's information. And a lot of this stuff entails uh, uh, attorney-client privilege. And, 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 and that's a little disconcerting to me. Do, do they have the authority to do this? Or is this something, are, are these people, the FBI just rogue at this point? That seems a so, little insane to me. Yeah. So, so look, I want to make one thing clear, Carl. We're in unprecedented territory here okay. uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, because, you know, I can't think of another instance where a, a criminal search warrant has been executed against a former president's estate. Uh, and because Donald Trump is a former president, there are some unique legal issues, particularly like uh, the one you mentioned in terms of executive privilege, in terms of his authority as president to classify or declassify documents. Uh, look, you know, the Constitution, the Supreme 
Supreme Court interpreting the Constitution has pretty clearly said a president has almost unilateral authority under his constitutional powers, not statutory powers, his constitutional powers to classify or declassify documents. And so really, one of the things that may happen, we may just have a factual question here of whether Donald Trump did, in fact, declassify the documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago. Now, we have you know testimony from senior former aides, particularly Cash Patel and others right. who are saying, yes, he did declassify uh, those documents, and the FBI agent included that information in the the affidavit uh, that that was submitted. Uh, and so that's kind of a unique issue, you know, this executive privilege. Now, what you're asking about the FBI, they went in, they seized a vast amount of documents, and the Trump team is saying some of those documents uh, were covered by executive privilege, so the FBI should not be able to get them, and some of those documents were covered by attorney-client privilege. Now, what happens when the FBI thinks, or any federal agency thinks they may have uh, seized attorney-client privilege documents, they set up something called a Tate team which you mentioned. Basically, these are other FBI agents, other Justice Department employees who are not part of the investigation team. And the idea is that essentially you want to create a firewall between this tank team and the investigation team. That way, if there are potentially privileged documents, they can be returned back to the the target of the investigation without the investigation team seeing them. Now, oftentimes, uh, defendants uh, feel that that is not protective enough, uh, and rightfully right. so. Attorney-client privilege documents are very sensitive, and so what they can do is they can ask for a judge or someone appointed by the judge to independently review those documents instead of having the FBI review them. And that's what Donald Trump has done in this case. He's asked for the appointment of a special master, uh, essentially – yeah, essentially raising, I think what you were getting at, Carl, is saying, look, you know, even if these are not the investigative team, these are still government employees, Justice Department employees who are going through my privileged documents. And we would feel much more comfortable if this independent third party who's working for the court, a special master, instead reviews those documents. And given the scope of the documents taken, given the sensitive nature of any of those documents, uh, that certainly seems like a very reasonable request uh, for the Trump team uh, to have made. And it looks like, based on the reports that I'm seeing, uh, that the judge overseeing this case uh, is likely to, to approve that request. Should they have asked for a special master even sooner? Because, I mean, given the Russia collusion hoax, given the Ukraine impeachment, I mean, this is something that I, 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 I would suspect Trump's attorneys would have jumped on right away. And especially how all of this went, went down. Is this, in, in your opinion, as a legal expert, as an attorney, uh, do you think it, this it, it's a little too late now to ask for? I mean, I know it's needed regardless, but... But should they have done this sooner, requested this special master? Well, as an attorney, anytime if I if I'm a def- criminal defense lawyer, anytime I think that the federal government or any law enforcement agency or any governmental entity, frankly, has seized potentially attorney-client privileged documents, my goal is to get in front of a judge as quickly as possible and raise that concern and ask the court to take appropriate measures to protect my client's interest and protect that attorney-client privileged information. And so I always think it's important to act as quickly as possible in making that request. Uh, but again, you know, Carl, there's some unique factors at play here, uh, given the, the unprecedented nature 
of the uh, of the you know the raid on a former president's home and so i suspect there was some additional considerations some additional legal wrangling that had to take place before this request uh, could be made in your your column and i encourage everyone out in the listening audience to review it at at the daily signal it's entitled what released affidavit reveals about fbi's mar-a-lago raid uh and of course it's really uh well written but uh, you say the warrant delineates three political crimes. One, the misuse of national defense information. This is what they allege. Uh, apparently a violation of the Espionage Act. The obstruction of justice uh, also by destroying uh, or altering or falsifying uh, uh, records in connection with the federal investigation and concealing, removing or destroying uh, uh, protected federal documents. Do you see potentially Trump being indicted on any of these issues? I, I, I mean, I, I think this is a political witch hunt, but I'm just opining here. I think they want to take this guy down. But can you see a possible indictment coming or perhaps in lieu of more information coming out where this does seem overwhelmingly political? Is there a chance that the that the DOJ backs off? Well, I've given up trying to predict the future. I <laughs> know <long time> <laughs> that's so true. That's fair. Fair uh, point. Fair point. But 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 look, you know, I think there are some very real concerns. You know, if President Trump were to be indicted, uh, and I'm not saying he will be, but if he were, just practically speaking, you know, there are real, very real concerns about how the Justice Department would go about uh, prosecuting this case. You know, even in national security cases where uh, sensitive information may be at issue, where sensitive inf- information may have been compromised, and again, I'm not saying that's the case here, but oftentimes, even if the DOJ thinks they can make a case for practical reasons, because they value that sensitive information, they value how it was retained, how it was collected, they choose not to go forward with a prosecution. And so I suspect those same types of issues would be at play here. Uh, but look, Carl, we still don't know what documents were stored at Mar-a-Lago and what documents mm. the FBI sees. You know, we've heard kind of these, you know, dangerous warnings that they contain, you know, our nation's most sensitive secrets. Secrets. We've heard allegations that potentially nuclear secrets were stored at Mar-a-Lago. But all of that right now, that's just speculation because we don't actually know what documents were seized. And so I think until we know what documents were seized, what type of information was stored, until we know whether you know these documents were actually declassified by Donald Trump when he was in office, all of those issues are still swirling around out there. And it would certainly seem that all of those issues would have to be resolved before you know a criminal prosecution could even really uh, seriously be thought about. All right. So I have a this is just me, but I have a sneaky suspicion that we won't uh, hear about uh, too much more of this until after uh, the midterm elections. But that's just me being (laughs) being being me. Uh, A couple of more questions that I have uh, for you real, real quickly here. Zach, I I am. uh, What would be Donald Trump's best defense? I mean, Hillary Clinton email scandal seems like that would be a really good defense if, in fact, he were. Uh, uh, indicted simply because I mean this is this is a lady who I, I believe uh, if I'm not mistaken 81 separate email chains 193 uh, uh, pieces of classified information or emails within those email chains and I and I think that was just the tip of tip of the iceberg 
Um, it seems like he would have a, a, a somewhat easy defense, but his name is being sullied. Uh, and also, this th- this lady from the National Ar- uh, Archivist, I forget her name. I believe it's Deborah Stiebel, or, 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 uh, so forgive me, I, I forget her name. Uh, but it seems like she was acting in conjunction with the White House. Joe Biden denied knowing anything about this, so the White House denied knowing anything about this. And then we find out. That's the, that he just lied. I mean, it's the total opposite. The White House totally knew what was going on. Well, well two two points, Carl. As to Hillary Clinton, I think you're really highlighting the double standard that makes so many people uncomfortable and, frankly, upset uh, to see that. You know, to see Hillary Clinton, who definitely had classified information on her homebrew email server uh, that was very, you know, susceptible to hacking and those sorts of things, uh, and who faced no repercussions. And by the way, Hillary Clinton did not have the unilateral authority like a president would to declassify much of that information. And so to see that double standard play out, I think that is, again, what is troubling so many people about this. Now, in terms of your second question about the National Archives uh, and the the you know potential Uh, working with the Biden White House, essentially what Joe Biden did is he waived Trump's claims of executive privilege over some of these documents. Uh, And that is really, again, an unprecedented step uh, for the Biden White House to take. You know, traditionally, whether you're Republican or Democrat, presidents of both parties have been very protective of executive privilege of their predecessors. And part of the reason for that is, you know, to use a legal term, what's good for the goose is good for the gander in a lot, right. in a lot of cases. Right. Uh, because the concern always is if I waive my predecessor's claims of executive privilege, my successor in office will waive my claims of executive privilege. And so I think in a lot of ways, this was a very short-sighted move by Joe Biden. And I suspect it's one that will come back to bite him in his administration as his successor in office, whoever that may be, uh, you know, would potentially be more likely to waive his own claims of executive privilege in the future as well. And by the way, Carl, this waiver of executive privilege is very troubling because this is one of the things that presidents rely on to be able to freely and forthrightly communicate with their advisors. You know, if someone's worried that their information is going to come out publicly later, they may be less willing to give candid information, candid advice to a president. A president may be less willing to seek advice from others. And again, that is bad for our country. It's not how we want our executive branch of government to operate. And so I think the fallout from these actions uh, by the Biden administration, both the White House and the Justice Department, are going to continue, frankly, for many, many years to come. If this weren't if this weren't Trump, would 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 we even be talking about this today? It seems to me that Barack Obama is still going back and forth with the National Archives. Uh, I forget the entire name. N A R A. I know the acronym. Uh, you know, uh, uh, would, would would this even be an issue? Because this is something that happens all the time, right? Former presidents negotiate what's personally theirs and 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 what's not. Let me before you answer, let me just read real quickly out of your uh, uh, column here, and we'll wrap it up. You talk about the nuggets that are found inside of the affidavit, even though so much of it was blacked out. That was hilarious. I knew that it would be blacked out, Zach, but it even surprised me at how much. Well, it was well, and what's ironic, out. Carl? Even the reasons in a separate motion, yes. had, the DOJ gave the reasons why they were redacting certain information. Most of the reasons. <laughs> 
for the redactions were themselves redacted. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I, I, yeah, that you're, you're right. That was, I'm so glad that you made that point. I mean, I, I remember reading uh, that from you and I sat there thinking that, I mean, that's insane. I, I would think, I mean, that, that creates even more suspicion in my mind. But you say here, just to wrap up, it states that 15 boxes of documents that Trump and his team turned over to the National Archives and Records Administration. Thank you. There's the NARA on January 18th appeared to, quote, contain national defense information and were stored at Mar-a-Lago in an unauthorized location. The affidavit also alleged that these highly classified documents were intermingled with other records and that 14 of the 15 boxes contained documents with classification markings. It went on to state that a preliminary triage of the documents with classification markings revealed the following approximate numbers, 184 unique documents bearing classification markings, including 67 documents marked as confidential, 92 documents marked as secret, 25 documents marked as top secret. It strikes me that any of these things that were uh, that were marked this way, obviously Donald Trump would have initiated the conversation, so on, et cetera. I think it just goes back to an earlier point, which is uh, these presidents, they, they need to be able to deal with this stuff. They need to have executive privilege on this stuff, and they should have the sole authority to determine uh, you know what's classified and 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 uh, and what's not. But I wanted to make sure the people knew exactly what the FBI, uh, uh, what the FBI had seized. But your 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 final take on this here, Zach. Well, look. One quick point to that, Carl, is those markings on those documents are not dispositive of their classification status. Uh, you know, because as you said, the president has the almost unilateral authority to classify or declassify certain documents. And just because the classification markings weren't necessarily changed on documents doesn't mean that their status has not changed. And I think point. that's an important point, point. Uh, to, to emphasize. Look, I think my final take on it is there's a still a lot we don't know about this investigation and where it's headed. Again, we still don't know what documents the FBI seized from Mar-a-Lago. Uh, we still don't know really... Uh, who the other targets of this investigation may be. Uh, And again, I think it's so important for Merrick Garland, Christopher Wray, and other high-ranking officials to come out and give us as the American people as much information as possible. Because not only is this a former president uh, who was in office, this is someone who is, you know, certainly appears like he is going to run for office again. And so when you you know combine that fact again with the past you know political actions of the FBI it just creates a very troubling picture puts a cloud over our you know uh, justice system in the United States and that's something that's very bad for us as a country. All right, I promise final question here. If in your opinion as a legal expert if this weren't Donald Trump, would we even be talking about this today? If if you had a client that was a former president would this even pass the SNP test? Well, I don't know if that calls for a legal opinion, uh, Carl, just so much as, you know, uh, common sense. Uh, and yeah. I think, you know, most people who look at this objectively would say that, you know, if Donald Trump were not involved, it just practically speaking, you know, it's unlikely, uh, I suspect, and this is just speculation, uh, that we would be you know, talking about this today. All right. Zach Smith of the Heritage Foundation, man, I really do appreciate your work. I love reading whenever you put out uh, material. Makes me feel smarter, even though I've never (laughs) gone to law school. So really appreciate you, man. 
of course. Thanks for having me on, Carl. Always All right. A God bless you. All right. Thank you. Guys, listen, I appreciate you tuning in to this edition of the Carl Jackson Show podcast. Here's, here, here's what I'll say real quick in closing. I believe that what the left is trying to do is put Donald Trump on the ballot for good uh, or, or, or for bad. They're trying to put uh, Donald Trump on the ballot for, uh, for the midterms. Donald Trump is not on the ballot. What's on the ballot are the disastrous policies of the left. Whether you're talking about inflation, whether you're talking about there's headlines today that Putin's the economy in Russia is surging despite our sanctions because Putin is still selling oil. Uh, while we're cutting down our supply here uh, and making everything more expensive here in the United States. Joe Biden's foreign policy has been a complete and utter disaster. The U.S. embassy uh, in Baghdad, people were airlifted, uh, airlifted out of the uh, out of the uh, U.S. embassy in, in Baghdad last night. Everything Joe Biden touches turns to crap. And we're seeing it as far as foreign policy is concerned. We're seeing it as far as domestic policy uh, is concerned. Crime up on the streets. The borders wide open, uh, you know, where we have fentanyl just flooding across our border. Uh, So what the left is trying to do, in my opinion, is make Donald Trump the issue rather than their policies the issue. Uh, Forcing people now or their attempt to force people, college loan uh, people that have paid off their college loans and people that have not gone to college trying to force us to pay for people that went to college and decided and made their own individual choice to take out loans. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane culture. Men can be boys. Boys can be men. All of this is happening under the Biden administration, and they're doing their very best to make sure that Trump is the issue rather than Biden's policies. And what we have to do is make sure, those of us that love freedom, is make sure that we focus on Biden's policies and how they have continued uh, to destroy America, because that is exactly what's happening. Uh, Whether you're talking, again, uh, 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 fuel, uh, fuel prices, food, you know, food prices, baby formula that we can't get a hold of, these emergency orders that force people to, uh, you know, to force parents to keep their kids out of school, forced us to put uh, uh, diapers on our face, even though I didn't abide uh, by that, forced people to get a, a jab that they didn't want in their body, many of them. Uh, and, and so this, these are the things that we have to focus on. What we're dealing with, with the Joe Biden administration, is an author, uh, authoritarian government. This is a guy that loves to be a dictator that wants to be a dictator. The left always talks about conservatives being dictators. It's so stupid because it's funny how we're dictators, but they run the they run the house, they run the senate, and they run the white house. So if we were dictators, that would have never transpired. Uh, so just common sense for those of you that are political hacks should tell you that listen, these guys are in the white house, the senate and the house. It's it's a stupid argument to say that Conservatives are dictators, are semi-fascists, just absolutely insane. And this coming from the leader of the free world, to use language like that against political opponents, uh, people that he's supposed to govern. He's supposed to be governing all of us. The guy is despicable. He is despicable. He's a corrupt, evil man. And I don't say that lightly. I believe that to be true. I think he's a despicable human being. And I think that's being played out in this presidency, not to mention that he's very dumb and he's very incompetent. And, and, and I don't say that just to be mean, but it's obvious. It's obvious the guy is, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, 
I don't know, a chicken nugget short of a happy meal. He's not the brightest guy in the bulb and he's mean and he's a jerk too on top of all of it as his mind continues to slip away. So that's where we find ourselves. So I just want to encourage all of you that are listening. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast, but I want to make sure leading up to these midterms, what the left is going to try to do. Hey, fuel prices are coming down. See, this stuff is working. No, fuel prices are coming down because this idiot in the White House is robbing the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, taking it down to a 40 year uh, taking it down to a 40-year low. Other countries around the world are are starving for for oil, if you will. Putin isn't. China isn't. India isn't. But we, like idiots, have given up our uh, a lot of our oil supply, uh, uh, fossil fuels, in the name of climate change, which is uh, ooh, just totally oh, it's so <clears throat> so bogus. It frustrates me. But people have to worship a god and serve a god, and so a lot of people are serving their climate change god, uh, which isn't uh, which isn't a god at all. So, guys, please continue to focus on how this administration and how the Democrat Party is destroying, attempting to literally destroy your life, attempting to literally destroy this country. Uh, Never forget that. What they're trying to do with this Mar-a-Lago raid is to make Trump the issue rather than their policies the issue. Do not fall for it. Do not fall for it. Guys, again, I just want to remind you to please go to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code Carl, you can uh, to get the special offer on the Perkel sheets, 1-800-858-0263. Use the promo code Carl. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on that radio listener square. Again, spell my name. Um, and these, these sheets come with a 10-year warranty, a 60-day money-back guarantee, and you'll be helping out Mike Lindell. You'll be helping out MyPillow. You'll be helping to provide and to sustain American jobs, American manufacturing, and this guy who's been a brave warrior fighting for election integrity. Uh, and these Perkel sheets are phenomenal right now. Again, a queen size normally sells for $89.98. For you, for my listeners, $39.98. And listen, you can use that promo code to shop anything you want on MyPillow.com. Use that promo code Carl. Uh, And we would certainly appreciate it. Be sure to follow me on social media, The Carl Jackson Show. I'd love to see you guys on True Social. Love to see you guys on Gitter. I'm on I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, uh, Facebook, Uh, you know, all of the traditional sites for the most part and trying to really build up my audience on these alternative sites uh, because, you know, eventually they're going to kick me off of these old sites. That's just the way it rolls. I'm not going to I'm not going to stop being American. I'm not going to stop speaking, uh, speaking the truth. Uh, the truth when it comes to policy and how they impact uh, American families and American culture and our our society and our freedoms, our civil liberties here. I'm not going to stop doing that. Uh, And I know that uh, there'll probably be a price to pay for that. Uh, But uh, but listen, man, this is why God put me here. So I'm going to continue to do that. So please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. The Carl Jackson Show dot com, Salem Podcast Network dot com, anywhere and everywhere where you find podcasts. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, Please uh, subscribe to Rumble, rate and review. If you like the podcast here, you'll enjoy watching it on video as well. YouTube and Rumble, The Carl Jackson Show. Make sure you put the word the in front or you'll run into uh, uh, imitators, um, even though, you know, I'm imitated, I'm never duplicated. You like that game? Um, so anyway, the Carl Jackson show.com until next time, doc guys, don't grow weary doing good. God bless you.